there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you are doing unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can a person once grown old be born again? Surely he can't re-enter his mother's womb and be born again, can he? Jesus answered, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Loving Father, we simply pray this morning that you would speak to us through your Spirit, Lord. Speak to our hearts Teach us the mysteries of godliness. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm chapter 51, David prayed a prayer of repentance after some time after he, if you know the story, had uh, violated Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah the Hittite put in the front lines of war to be murdered. And he writes, and he pens his repentance. And in the repentance in Psalm 51, he says this, and I'm going to sing it because it's a scripture song. He says, as a portion of his prayer, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. So David pens his repentance and he prays that prayer and more. But there's more. <clears throat> Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests the hearts. The way that you purify silver is this way. The way that you purify gold is this way. But the way that you purify the heart of a person is the Lord. And so someone pens this scripture song called Refiner's Fire. Re 
refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord, I choose to be. Set apart for you, my maker, ready to do your will. Another song speaking about the work of the Spirit, the transformation inside, the plea, the desire. But then there's this one, Jeremiah 18. We're going to start with some songs this morning because they're some of my favorite. The Potter. The chapter on the potter and the clay. And this one goes like this. <clears throat> How's it? Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you, cause you are the potter, I am the clay, mold me Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Over and over and over again, you hear writers of scripture with this plea. Change my heart, mold me, make me, transform me, make me a better person than who I currently am. It, does, it highlights this desire for deep internal change. A transformation to the being, the person, the self. Scripture says in Jeremiah 13, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? And so in one's own power, the ancient text says it is an impossibility. And so people beg and they plead because they've probably tried it on their own before and it didn't work. Why is this significant? Because according to the biblical narrative, the way in which God is able to accomplish change in one's life, a deep, complete transformation of the character, is by the third member of the Godhead, God himself, the Holy Spirit. You want change in your life? You need the Holy Spirit. 
And so as we continue journeying through a number of underlying theological principles of faith, we've been looking at the book God With Us by Dr. John Peckham, and uh, we've been looking, uh, last week we looked at uh, what Todd was sharing. He posed a number of deep questions about the world, of evil, etc. As we build a foundation for that, the heart of every message or the heart of all of these things we'll be looking at, the overarching theme is that God is with us. God is with us. The way that scripture describes God being present with us after Christ's ascension into heaven is by the presence and the aid of the Holy Spirit. He, the Spirit, also he has many names in scripture, the Spirit of God, Spirit of Truth, Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost. Those are all his names. This is the way that God accomplishes his presence with us here and now. So let's take some time to go on a, a little discovery. Hope you have your uh, scripture with you today, whether on your phone or um, in your hand. We're going to take a little time to do a little discovery of the Holy Ghost, God the Holy Ghost. What does Jesus say about the Holy Ghost? We read it in our text of emphasis. I'll read it again. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 says this. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and, and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There is a good amount of mystery associated with the working and the moving of the Spirit of God. However, Jesus likened the behavior of the Spirit to the wind. A reality that we know, or rea a reality that you know is there, not because you can see the wind, but because of the effects it has on that with which it engages. So depending on the severity of the rustling leaves outside or the way your curtain blows when the window is open, you can gauge whether the wind is present and its intensity. But you know it's there. Look at verse 3 specifically. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Your proper understanding or ability to perceive the kingdom of God is solely dependent on the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
spiritual things are spiritually discerned, says scripture. Meaning, being able to understand something from the spiritual realm or from God is dependent on being spiritual ourselves. Humans understand human things. Animals understand animal things. Spiritual beings understand spiritual things. Jesus is saying being born again by the Spirit doesn't change your physical humanity, but it does make you a spiritual being, meaning physical body, but spiritual eyesight, in a sense, or perspective. In Luke 17, Jesus is being asked by the Pharisees uh, when the kingdom of God would come, and Jesus tells them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, hmm. or coming with signs that are easily noticed, hmm. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Or, behold, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. Follow me. Jesus is not talking about a physical location. Jesus is talking about a spiritual reality. The kingdom of heaven is not only an actual location, but it is an experience. The kingdom of heaven is, yes, of course, a location. We, we're coming to that. But also a way of living and seeing the world. Kingdom living. Kingdom perspective. This reality can only be experienced by the power and presence of God the Spirit. It's as if you see the world with new eyes. A whole new... No. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> one of the, uh, the Spider-Man movies, I don't know if it's far from home, no home, no way home, whatever. One of them, if you follow that. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, he gets this new Spider-Man suit, Right? And his mission is to fight crime. He thinks he's the friendly neighborhood spider, although he finds out his mission is a little bigger than that. But he had an old suit, which had no features, and then he gets a new Spider-Man Spider suit. And the new Spider-Man suit allows him to see the world with spidey enhancement. So he can see distance and calculate distance, right? And, and coordinates and see through walls and hear things that are miles and miles away. And when he gets the suit, he's like, wow, cool, this is awesome, right? Because now he gets to see things in a, in a different way than what he was before. Now, Spider-Man is in no way in the same league as the power of God. So that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Not try to compare the two, but I use the example to highlight the before and the after change in the way that he was able to see the world. And this perspective change to see the world in the light of the kingdom of heaven is done through the presence of the Holy Spirit. How you see people, how you see yourself, how you view your mission in this world, how you relate to God and to other people. 
there's a way in which God sees things, and he gives that insight to his followers by the Holy Spirit abiding within them. Look at verse 5. It says, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Okay, first he said no one can see the kingdom of God, which is an uh, understanding or perspective or enlightenment in a sense. And then verse 5 says no one can enter. All right, we're talking about two things here. Now, salvation is dependent on the work of God the Spirit, according to this verse. Without the Holy Spirit, not only will you be unable to perceive or to understand the principles and the ways of the kingdom, you will not be able to enter it. Now, now we're speaking about location, right? God making the earth new is the location that we're speaking about. Scripture says the meek shall inherit the earth, right? This earth being made new. If the Spirit is an integral part of salvation, then we must get to know the third member of the Godhead. And this is the first point to note. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Acts chapter 5 shares the story of Ananias and Sapphira, a couple who during the early church, had pledged to give uh, some of their property or sell their property and give a portion of the money to the early church to help with, with means and to help other members. And they lied about it. They lied about the amount they received and kept some of the money back. I don't know why they did that and why they didn't just pledge the amount that they wanted, but who knows? So they lied. And in the confrontation, Peter says to them, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then later, he follows up with, you have not lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. We understand that God is eternal, right? The scripture calls him the Alpha and the, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And Hebrews 9.14 tells us, that the spirit, in fact, it uses the, the, the name, the eternal spirit, to refer to the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm just giving you some text here. The Holy Spirit is God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 and 11 tells us that the spirit is omniscient, meaning all-knowing, Right? And that scripture tells us that it searches the deep things of you, of me. Even it knows our thoughts. He knows our thoughts, my thoughts, your thoughts. And he also searches and comprehends the deep thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. So Jesus can say that I, God, am with you always, even until the end of the age, or forever, as long as you live. 
because of the presence and the work of God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine person distinct from the Father and the Son. All right? So the Holy Spirit is God, but he's also an entity of his own. The Spirit is not simply a power or a force. He's not an essence that comes out from the bosom of the Father or the Son. He is a distinct third personality of the Godhead. He commands, he gives orders, he speaks, he instructs, he's grieved, he can be lied to, right? All of these elements indicate a personality with consciousness. Consciousness. Say that three times. <laughs> the universe, we, uh, in society today, we, we've come around talking about the universe led me to this or that. The universe doesn't have conscious, consciousness. Say that right. The universe does not command or instruct. The universe is another way of saying chance or luck. The universe is made up of matter with no feeling or thought. It cannot navigate one's future. In Matthew chapter 3, the story of uh, the baptism with Jesus, it shows us three distinct members of the Godhead. Each member is present. Jesus Christ was in the water, getting baptized. The Spirit manifested himself like a dove, uh, landing, hovering over the top of, of the sun. And then we hear the voice of the Father speaking from heaven over Jesus. So we now, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, acknowledging each member of the Godhead working for our salvation, each fulfilling different roles in that process. And so, although the Spirit doesn't have a physical shape or form, he takes shape of a dove or manifests himself in cloves, cloven tongues of fire like we see in the book of Acts. But he is a separate, we call it, personality from the Father and the Son, yet he works in harmony with each for the mission of our salvation and the salvation of the world. Now, there are many more verses related to the, the, the distinctness of the Holy Spirit, but I want to highlight one of the important points for today. And that is this. Humanity's salvation is not only dependent upon Jesus Christ, but also on the Spirit of God. In John chapter 1, Verse 12 and 13, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, of man but of God. Right? We're talking about being born again, born of God. John chapter 3, born from above, right? How are you born of God? 
Well, that's what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus. The Holy Spirit provides a spiritual rebirth. The Holy Spirit, God, was the main agent in the human birth of Jesus Christ. He overshadowed Mary. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, Scripture says, In him, speaking about Jesus, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. We are, or let me break it down this way, meaning the Holy Spirit will be with us as promised until the mission of salvation is complete or accomplished. The Holy Ghost, God, has his claim on us until Jesus comes again. We are sealed. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit is, in a sense, translating the deep pains, the thoughts, the realities of our experience through his own groanings, through his own communication with the Father and the Son. Working on your behalf, on my behalf. So even when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit is communicating on your behalf. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do or to work for his good pleasure. How is God able to be in us? God, the Holy Spirit, through his, through his presence. That's the Spirit of God. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure, one of my favorite verses, and I am sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I love that one. That is the work of the Holy Ghost. That is the work. That is God with us. If you want to know if God, the Holy Ghost, is working somewhere or in someone, look for the evidence. What is the evidence? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Anywhere the Spirit is, you will begin to see certain attributes, certain characteristics manifest. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the evidences of the Spirit of God. Anywhere these attributes are, God is there. You don't even have to know it. They may not know it. God is there. God is with us. Anywhere in the world, across the globe, where you find these characteristics, 
God is there. So in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of confusion, God is there. What does that mean that God is with us? It means that our salvation, your salvation, my salvation is solely a work of God. He's the one putting in overtime. Character transformation is not a work that, that can be done by human hands. It is solely the work of God. And he doesn't leave you until the mission is complete. God doesn't do half jobs. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of God within your heart. And this is the gospel message. That each member of the Godhead loves you, loves me, and they each play a role in restoring and saving humanity in order to return them to the high and holy and dignified reality for which we were created. It's not a work humans can do. So rest in that and trust the promises of God. Ask God to give you his Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a little scenario in, in, in the book of Luke where Jesus, uh, there's a knock, at, a knock at, at midnight and Jesus is giving an example, trying to explain what the father is like. And he says, if a son asks for bread, will his father give him a stone? Right? Will he give him a serpent? Or if a son asks for bread, the father is going to give what is asked. And so he says, ask God for the Holy Spirit. Ask God for his spirit. That we, that you and I may live a life that harmonizes with the kingdom of heaven, that we would be able to perceive, to see, to understand it even. And he will give it to you. He will give him to you himself. So how does this impact the world? Because we're simply laying a foundation to, as we keep going with this series, how does this impact the world? If God is with us, then why do we see the evil that we see in the world? Well, that is the question of the day. And we're building. So today, we lay a foundation to attempt to address those questions. But for today, just know that God is with us, and the way that he is with us is through the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that? I pray that you do. God bless you.